Are you looking for an inspiring listen? Something to motivate you? You've come to the right place. I'm Jan Johnson, your host. Welcome to Women of the Northwest, where we have conversations with ordinary women leading extraordinary lives. Women telling their stories and sharing their passions. Motivating, inspiring, compelling. Welcome to episode number 70. Glad to have you here. I thought it would be fun to interview a woman from the past. Since this is the middle of July and regatta season is in Astoria, we'll listen to Lori Serafin talk about Allie Forstrom, the 14th regatta queen. You'll see some differences in how things work now with the court as opposed to how it was in the beginning. I've also included clips from Melissa Grothy's interview, episode number 19, another regatta queen, where she tells some of what goes into making a queen and the benefits of being in the court. You can find out more on Lori's website, where you can see photos and read an article on Allie's life, as well as follow along with Lori and her husband's remodeling journey of the Forstrom house. The link is in the show notes, and it is theforstromhouse.com, T-H-E-F-O-R-S-S, T-R-O-M-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And let's get started. Hello, Lori. So Allie Forstrom was one of the first uh, queens that was in the regatta. And so, um, Lori, tell us all about that. And how do you came up with that information? And Well... <laughs> I'm a little um, intrigued and, and sometimes bordering on obsessed um, trying to research Allie Forstrom. Uh, the, ha- the Forstrom house is the way it is today because of Allie Forstrom. She spearheaded the renovation of the 1894 one-story Victorian house into this two-story uh, modified America, American Foursquare that you see today. And she enjoyed uh, spending the good doctor's money and did a lot of really nice things to the house and made a lot of really good good selections that survive today. So, um, as a genealogist and historian, I wanted to find out all I could about Dr. and Allie Forstrom. I find her a little more interesting and has and also has been much more challenging to research yeah. because women are harder to research. There's less about them. Yeah. It's just one of those things. And she also didn't have any children. Okay. Oftentimes someone's legacy is passed down through children. So Mm -hmm. I've had to go through lateral means to Mm -hmm. try to find information. And I'm still working those. I've actually have information on a number of her friends that I will be working yeah. On during the next rainy season. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Not when you can be outside no. doing things. So I did find out that Allie Forstrom came to the United States arriving in the port of Boston in the fall of 1906. She was fair complexion, 5'4". She had $12 in her pocket. <laughs> and she came with two girlfriends that were about the same age from Finland. So she didn't come here with family. She came mm. here alone. Mm. So she kind of had a little gumption to her. Totally. Yeah. She had some spunk and clearly she had some ambitions. Mm-hmm. 
But where she was between the fall of 1906 and the spring of 1909, at the time of her marriage to Dr. Forstrom in Astoria, mm. I do not know where she was. Mm. I cannot. There are no records of anything no. that you can find. I do know that she was probably married during that time mm. because her marriage to Dr. Forstrom was a second marriage. Okay. So she was widowed or divorced, but where she was, I cannot, huh. I cannot find it. Yeah, yeah. So she appears on the scene in Astoria in 1909. Um, her marriage record lists her occupation as a clerk. Her name is Allie Ingeborg Lauren, probably Lorinanen. Mm-hmm. And she shortened the, the Finnish name because Lorinanen is on her immigration papers to Boston. Yeah. I have a strange suspicion that she was a clerk at Owl Drug. Oh. Which was owned by Theodore Lauren. Okay. Okay. And guess whose practice is in the second floor of that building? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Makes a lot of sense to me. I I can't prove it. Right, right. But I have a suspicion. And there is a connection between the Lauren family and the Forstroms. They do a lot together socially. They vacation together in Seaside. Their names are in the paper. staying there at the same time. Yeah. So that would make sense. Just a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're also friends with the Fellman family. Okay. um, That owned the furniture store. So Allie and Doctor get married in March of 1909. And the same month, um, Dr. Forstrom buys this house from Captain Kahn, the Mm -hmm. first captain of the Lightship Columbia. Right, okay. And there's not much... I can't find much about their early years as a married couple, other than some photographs from the Fellman family. In 1911, the Forstroms go to Portland. Um, I think Allie is wanting to live in the big city. Okay. She clearly likes Portland. She goes there a lot. Um, in the old newspapers, there's mentions of who's staying at what hotel and where they're from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's here a lot. Yeah. So she clearly likes um, Portland. They took out a building permit at 23rd and Irving in Portland in 1911. He had a practice in the new selling building in Portland in Mm -hmm. 1911. And during that time, the Fellman family was renting this house. Okay. So that's the connection between the Fellman family and the Forsters. Okay. All right. The Forstrom stayed in Portland for about a year and a half. I don't think the practice was as successful as he had hoped because of the lack of Finnish population in Portland. Mm. Um, He advertises himself as a Finnish physician and surgeon. Yeah. So back to Astoria. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's who he wanted to... Right. Marked himself yes. too. <laughs> so back to Astoria, nineteen late 1911, 1912, they become naturalized citizens um, here in town. And then she gets this wild hair that, according to the family, that she wanted to be regatta queen. How old was she then? Uh, she was born in 1886. So at the time okay. she was regatta queen, she was about, what, 28? Okay, yeah. yeah. Um. So 
older than the regatta queens of today. Right. Uh, this yeah. is at a time where uh, regatta queens were more socially prominent individuals and not a high, young high school women. Yeah. So that tradition has changed yeah. a lot. Which is probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it broadens the scope. <laughs> the elections for regatta queen were different than today. It was not a scholarship program. It was a, a fundraiser. Okay, for what? You would buy votes. And what was the, fun, the funding? It went to the regatta. Oh, just to the regatta. Fund I the see. Regatta. Yeah, yeah, okay. So if you bought um, $500 worth of furniture at Felman Furniture, you would get 500 votes. I see. Okay. So that's a lot of votes. Yeah, I've heard varying stories. Because what was the size of the community here at, at that, that time? time? I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure it was between five and 10,000 because yeah. the population surged in World War II. To yeah, yeah. Almost 20, but. Huh. Yeah. So the family said, told me, oh, yeah, he spent like $4,000 getting her elected regatta queen. <laughs> and the voting was really neck and neck. It was published in the paper and an almost daily basis. And the, the day the voting was done, he must have refurnished the house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so she was regatta queen. And it was, what, like nine days before regatta? Oh. And so she went to Portland to find her maids and get her gowns. So not anything local then? Very little local. And how did that go over? <laughs> I don't think it did. I think that was one social faux pas that she made because the next year, Regatta Queen, a Thai Roman, made a big deal about how she was going to do all of her shopping locally. Uh, I see. So, yeah, so that would I think there yeah, was give some, an indication that there was a little uh, kerfluffle there. <laughs> I think there was a little pushback. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. So what did, um, do you know what it was, but other than being a social thing, do you know more about what it was like for um, the court at that time? I mean, that was pretty short. It's not like now where you, they know way ahead of time and they're going around and. I think it was just a social yeah. thing. Kind of a thing, yeah. I do find evidence in the newspapers of the day that there would be a trade fair. And local queens mm -hmm. from various um, community organizations would go and do PR. Right. Some kind of thing like that. Yeah. Right. And like Allie went to Rose Festival and was on a float. You know, uh -huh. same things they do now, but it's, it's society. Yeah. 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 And so it was a, it, look at me because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm one of the in people. <laughs> right. And most of the photographs yeah. I have of Allie are taken during this time, during I her regatta queen. Uh -huh. She's in the newspapers up and down the Columbia River. She's uh -huh. pretty easy to find during this period, during this period of time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So what else do you know about her? Um, two years ago in the Cumtux, there was a real interesting article. It was the memoirs of Paul Fellman. And the Cumtux is Cumtux. a, is a, um, Quarterly publication of the Clatsop County Historical Thank Society. Thank you. Those are the words I was looking for. Thank you. And <laughs> this is what got me going about, I really need to find out more about her. Because mm -hmm. I think she was very ambitious and very good at goal-directed behavior. 
And and that's yeah. a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think often women are that's not something that's prized. And not so much in that period of time. Right. As well. Right. And I think it would make a great historical novel. Mm-hmm. Putting that in there. So in the article, it says um, Forstrom was a highly successful physician and surgeon. He made a fortune practicing his profession among the Finnish. His wife, Allie, spent it. She spent money like it was water. She owned a Stutz Bearcat. That's a very spicy um, sports car. <laughs> she had horses. She had their house rebuilt. She had the rooms plastered specific colors and then had the walls papered. She put on recitals in her home. She was a soprano. She oh, sang. Okay. And she starred herself before her guests. <laughs> Once she decided she wanted to be queen of the Astoria Regatta, the votes were derived from purchases of merchants. Dr. Forstrom spent thousands getting her elected. <laughs> a devoted husband. Oh, very much so. And, and she was 20 years his junior. Yeah. Dr. Forstrom liked his wife's young. Yeah. (laughs) So recently I was doing some plaster repair in the music room and I found her colored plaster. Oh, it was green. Really? Yes. It was so interesting. And I made the connection to it. What shade of green? It was um, kind of the green of the view room, which is why the view room is that green because that's. But it's almost a bluish green then. Well, yeah, it's a. I would call it Craftsman Green. Yeah. Um, Allie Forstrom liked green and a lot of, there was a lot of green in the house. And this light green trim in the view room is an, mm-hmm. a replica of Allie Forstrom Green. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So this is what got me started. And I found their divorce papers. It looks like Allie left Dr. Forstrom in January of 1925. There was an uncontested divorce in the summer of 26. And there was no requirements for him to pay alimony, support, anything. So maybe no impropriety or any, doesn't seem, I was, doesn't I was, seem evident. I was anyway. hoping for some real juicy gossip yeah. because of divorce <laughs> and you'd have his side and her side. Yeah, yeah. I don't even think she was here. Uh. Um, it looks like they tried to serve her the divorce papers and couldn't find her. Oh. She was on the East Coast. Oh, okay. So I wish I could figure this out. She ended up in lower Manhattan. Mm -hmm. She resided in an apartment complex between Washington and Union Square. Okay. Very close to the uh, NYC uh, college campus. In fact, they've taken over that little part of town. Mm -hmm. I have found mentions of her in the newspapers. Hmm. Once there was a fire in her apartment building and her apartment was destroyed by fire. She had some superficial burns that she was treated and released for. And it says that her occupation is singer. And she's, this is 1927. Okay. Says singer, age 28. Well, she's clearly trying to reinvent herself because she's not 28. Right. She's, right. she's closer to 40 at Ooh, this time. Interesting. Yeah. So she's living in a very bohemian part of town. Yeah. I mean, jazz, artists. Yeah. This is very cool part of New York yeah. to be in in yeah. the 20s and 30s. 
Ooh. Yeah. Then in the 1930 census, she's in Tuxedo Park. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to determine, well, how is she financing this? Yeah. Well, the family told me that even though the divorce decree did not require support, he sent he her still- $250 a month. That's a lot. Yes. At that time, that Until was a lot. Until the time of her death in 1935. Ah. Uh, she died relatively young. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. How do you do your research? How do you figure out, you know, you see something in context where somebody's done a little research or something in there. Where do you go? I've been doing genealogy research since I was 16 years mm-hmm. old. Um and it's so much easier now because it's <laughs> because you all have online. The <laughs> um, my first stop is Ancestry.com. Okay. Um, looking for records. I don't rely on other people's research. I always go to primary sources. Mm-hmm. Most of my research on the forestrums from the newspaper. Okay. Because that is, you know, information of, of record. And it's one thing if you're researching your house and it's owned by a fisherman. But if you own a house that's owned by a doctor, mm-hmm. a lawyer, a mayor, county a treasurer, someone, it's golden. Yeah. And there's a lot of different ways to, to research newspapers. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Astoria, there's a card catalog of indexed oh, okay. subjects from the Daily Astorian and it's different configurations uh-huh. of names. It seems like they uh-huh. change their name every so often. Um, I subscribe to a newspaper service online, newspapers.com. There's a okay. genealogy bank. Okay. Um, and yeah. then there's historic Oregon newspapers that is run by um, University of Oregon. And so that's a free that source. could be a little bit of a rabbit hole, just like, ooh, we're just going to keep... Right. And then, <laughs> One thing leads to another. Right. So when I find something thing. locally, I can go to the microfilm mm-hmm. down at the library and, and look it up. Yeah. But the challenge of newspapers is indexing. Yeah. You know, and more and more is being digitized and indexed, so it's easy to find. Uh-huh. So you don't have to start it. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And actually, like, go through the pages and yeah, look. And yeah. You know where to go. Yeah. Speeds the whole process up. Very interesting. She dies in 1935. Yeah. There's not a lot of information on her death certificate. Mm-hmm. Her parents aren't listed. Her mm-hmm. place of birth isn't listed. Her age isn't listed. But she died of chronic carditis. Yeah. Um, she's buried in an unmarked grave mm-hmm. in central Long Island. And it looks like she continued her ways of spending money well. Uh, Orstrom mm-hmm. gave her $250 a month. Her estate was worth, after her funeral expenses and burial expenses, was worth about $277. <laughs> and in 1937, that went to the state of, to the city of New York. Because she didn't have any Right, any she didn't heirs. have any kids and, there wasn't any, and apparently wasn't married again. Correct. Yeah. And she went by Allie Forstrom mm-hmm. in New York. And she sang on the radio. Yeah. Radio was in its infancy. And they, yeah. you could be on the radio as an artist for 15 minutes at a time. Yeah. And it was in the paper. And I can see that she's singing yeah. on the radio. I have no idea what she's saying. I'd like to yeah. figure that out. I know. Wouldn't it be fun to find a recording? Well, yes. And it is early radio. 
I need to work that. I yeah. haven't really worked on that. Uh-huh. And one of my goals in the next few years is to actually purchase her a grave marker. That would be cool. In Long Island. Yeah. I, I did. How do you determine which spot of Blinnett's well, unmarked? Well, the lot and the section number oh, so, are okay. documented. Okay. And I know the cemetery she's in and I know the location. Mm-hmm. So I went to find a grave. It's a website for um, people researching cemeteries. And there's a guardian angel for this cemetery. And I wrote to her online and it's like, could you take a picture of yeah. this? I I think it's unmarked. And yeah. she said, yes, it is. And she sent me a picture of the spot and where it is relative to other okay. spots to confirm my suspicions. Yeah. And so it wouldn't be a big stretch. Yeah. Um, but right. I did put her history and find a grave and photographs of her right. as Regatta Queen and her dates of date of birth. And yeah. Fascinating. So next time I'm in New York, I'll have to make a trek out there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that would be so neat. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of just finish your your story. Yes. With the yeah, and I, I mean, in my mind, I think it would be a great historical fiction novel. Well, I think there's a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There, but I am not not an author i would not be the person to write it (laughs) (laughs) but you would be the one to uh for them to go to the research for yeah i've done the research (laughs) all right all right well thank you Lori. you said the girls speak tell me about that so they are all given speech topics that uh usually connect somehow to the region and our history or connect to the theme of the festival for the year and then they research write their own speeches and then start presenting them they get to present them of course to our regatta board Mm -hmm. which is fun to see like basically their first ever presentation because then they'll do those same speeches on coronation night on the first night of regatta and that is part of their score for who becomes the queen um and gets a I mean, it comes down to getting a larger scholarship because you end up serving more time with regatta. And so it's fun to see them going from beginning to end. But then there's the (laughs) in-between where they have to practice somewhere um, and practicing to the bathroom mirror isn't as effective Mm -hmm. as practicing in front of group the speeches and host our court in order to let let them present their speeches. And you had a chance to listen to Lori's. Seraphin's podcast. She with the Forstrom house. Yes. The Queen Allie Forstrom. Right. Yeah. Queen Allie, she's got. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I manage the regatta social media and okay. uh, we follow Lori on okay. social media so mm-hmm. we could keep up yeah. um, with the progress on the house and because of yeah. that awesome tie to regatta. So yeah. it's been it's just been fun yeah Yeah. and Lori has been good about you know giving us some likes and thumbs up on things that we post too which Uh I appreciate and sending us photos when we were looking for like historical um, photos of past courts or past regatta queens and so Mm -hmm. yeah super fun (laughs) it's been a fun a fun adventure As usual, thanks for listening. You are greatly appreciated. If you think you have an interesting story 
or you know someone you think would be a great interview, send me a message on my website, jan-johnson.com. jan-johnson.com. If you enjoyed this or other episodes, be sure to tell a friend. That's all for now. I look forward to joining you next time in your car or your home or on a walk. Bye.